Hi, and welcome to another episode of Life After Trek. My name is Chris, or Captain Pike from Subspace Communique. This is actually episode six uh, of our podcast. This time we have the absolute pleasure of interviewing none other than Natalia Nagalich. Uh, you may remember her as Admiral Necheyev from uh, Star Trek The Next Generation and Deep Space Nine. Natalia spent about 30 minutes with us on the phone, uh, and we got to talk about her current projects, uh, what it was like working on TNG and Deep Space Nine, and some of the charity work that she actually does uh, with a, a group called Trek to the Troops. And you can find that at trektothetroops.org, and, and we'll actually talk about that more at the end of the show. Um, but this episode for us was an absolute pleasure. Admiral Necheyev is one of our favorite characters and probably the most memorable admiral out of all of the series. We talk about that a little bit more in the episode, too. Uh, but we hope you enjoy this one. Uh, like I said, Natalia was an absolute pleasure to talk to, and we're going to go ahead and jump into the episode. So hope you guys enjoy this. Stay tuned. So welcome back to the show, everyone. We're very pleased to welcome our special guest this evening. Uh, you all know her as the Tough as Nails Admiral Necheyev from Star Trek The Next Generation uh, and Deep Space Nine. But she's also an author, producer, screenwriter, teacher, and actor with more than 30 film credits and numerous television uh, appearances. We'd love to give a, a warm welcome to Natalia Nogolich uh, to Life After Trek. Hi, Natalia. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Chris. Hi, Charity. It's lovely to be with you even by phone. <laughs> <laughs> We're very pleased you're here, and I, I hope I pronounced your last name correctly. Perfectly. Good, good. And, and, that's, a <laughs> and that's a rarity. <laughs> I tried to say it quickly so I could, uh, so I could get it right. Um, so I think we'll go ahead and start talking uh, about, I, I think we should probably start with your, your novel that you've written uh, called oh, One okay. Woman's War. Um, and that's, that's the first of a, a, a trilogy, right? Yes, it is. And um, the theme of this novel is, very current and eternal. It's uh, revenge versus forgiveness. It's actually, um, it takes place during the recent Balkan Wars in the 90s. Um, it is fiction, but um, the reality of the backdrop of my story is is quite, um, is based on, you know, things that were happening um, over there. And uh, it's about... Um, a woman who suffers a great loss there and comes to America to attempt to heal with the help of some family she has here. And in the course of her time here, she finds out who is responsible for her loss. And she has a war within herself and a war that she just fled and a war that cost her the loss of a loved one. I don't want to give you too many details. Sure. <laughs> and, um, and, and she battles with um, this unbridled passion for revenge. And um, I can't tell you what happens in the end. <laughs> yeah, please do. <laughs> but um, but it's, uh, it, it's, it's a, a bit of a thriller, I, I, as well as a, 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 dramatic, uh, a dramatic tragedy, really. Um, but um, my plan of the trilogy is um, a little bit... Um, Francis Ford Coppola-esque in that I'm going to do the second book uh, that I'm working on now is previous to this story. So oh, it's kind cool. of like when Godfather 2 ended up being the prequel sure, sure. <laughs> to Godfather. And, and then the third one will be a, a leap further into the future. Um, and so, 
it's um it's a very ambitious undertaking it's it's a um a theme that interests me a great deal because there's so much of that uh that we are faced with all the time you know being faced with uh um affronts of various sorts from murder to something being taken from us whether it's our land or our integrity <laughs> sure. and um do we do we avenge it or what do uh, you know what is the response that'll move us forward as a as a um as a humankind and um uh i loved creating the um horror of of this uh story around a woman for a change instead of um a man because she has to make some very demanding choices about violence and um hatred and where it where it stops or what perpetuates it and uh, so I, I, it's been a passion of mine. My family is from that part of the of the world, southern part of the former Yugoslavia. Although nothing in this um, book was um, actually happened to my family, so um, thankfully. But um, it's it's something I I know a lot about. I've been there many times, and I I studied deeply. So I'm um, it's a work of passion as well as a work of um, I hope a work that will be um, popular and uh, received uh, on a level where many people can relate to it, not just um, that part of the world. But sure. when I'm starting to develop the theme, I realize that, you know, I name a country where there hasn't been um, a civil dis- uh, dispute that uh, resulted in families turning on families others and others. I mean, starting with our very own civil war in 1861 right. and, um, and going on through, so, uh, you know, to Ireland or the Mideast or, you know, um, Iraq. And um, so I, I find it to have a universal uh, appeal, but it, it, it definitely takes place during a specific time in a specific place. So I had a lot of fun doing it. And um, when I finished with the trilogy, um, have started writing a screenplay of the book. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Cool. That's awesome. And uh, want to see that uh, realized under under my direction. God willing, God willing, God willing. <laughs> <laughs> I have many plans and many dreams and many hopes like like all of us. So so that's the story on that. And um, so has it intrigued you to um, to read it? Absolutely. It has, and, yeah. and when will it uh, be available, or is it available now? Um, I it, it's not yet, but I'm hoping by spring it'll be out. Um, and uh, believe me, there'll be a big blast about it through um, all my connections, and maybe even linking with you guys. Absolutely. Right, yeah. yeah, we would love to cover that. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so um, that's that's been my uh, heart's passion recently, not at the expense of acting and directing, but writing has certainly caught fire with me in recent years. And and how long had you worked on, on One Woman's War? Uh, well, you know, truth be told, I had this a spark of an idea for, for uh, a story. I wasn't sure what form it was going to take, if it was going to be a, um, a play or a... I wasn't sure, and then it became clear to me that it was a novel, but uh, I've had this nagging in the back of my head for several years, uh, to be honest, that um, even actually even before the later Balkan Wars. Mm. But 
the structure of it and what it was actually going to be about uh, in terms of the the, the uh, events of the war didn't come to me until um, I would say about six years ago, and then it, then I researched and rewrote and wrote and had it, you know, and had someone I trusted read it and edited and. Uh, it's, a, it's a long process. You I know? can only imagine. I think the second, I think this when you do historical fiction, it is, you know, um, which I actually is what I like reading the most. And so um, I like, I guess that's why I'm drawn to write about it. I like when it has a historical or political backdrop to it. Um, I'm currently reading um, Dostoevsky's The Possessed, which he wrote in 1862. Um, I think, or 72, and it's so current. Mm. I'm shocked, I mean, about <laughs> subversive and seditious elements and terrorism, and it may well be the first novel that ever takes on terrorism. And um, so, I, you know, it's got a political and um, historical backdrop to it, and, and I'm very drawn to that. So yeah, I definitely. And, you know, it's it's a lot like, uh, not to bring it full circle here, but you know, Star Trek in many ways is, is that way too. You could watch an episode of the original series, uh, and you know, forty years later, it's still as relevant today. It's amazing how yes. how lit- literary works and television uh, plays, movies can be relevant many years after uh, they've been produced. So, yeah, it's, it's I I completely agree with you, and I I strongly feel that Star Trek accomplished that. I mean, when I started doing Next Generation, I, I had obviously watched the show a great deal. I wouldn't call myself a Trekkie before I got involved in the show, but I certainly watched it and loved it. But when I actually started working on it and had to to create this character and, and explore what each episode was really about, I was struck by the genius of the writing of Next Gen. Um, they so reflected what was going on in the world at the time. You know, the episode where I have to ask uh, Captain Picard to do the most unsavory task of removing uh, people from their land uh, it so reflects what had happened in this country right. uh, when we were just being born as a country and with uh, the Native Americans who had this land first. and uh, It's just they reflected reality and really made you think. I, um, I can't say enough for the writing of those shows. It was really a privilege to, to work on the scripts. And it wasn't a cakewalk either. I oh, mean, yeah. the language was sophisticated. The vocabulary was sophisticated. The, the the way that the dialogue was written sometimes had quirky syntax, and it was it was really a task to study it. And uh, you you really felt you were part of something that that had legs and staying power. Um, but who knew? I mean. Here it is in 2010, and I'm doing conventions and getting letters from people in Europe and uh, that are still seeing Admiral Nechev uh, on their screen. It's it's wild. I never dreamed. And a lot of people for the for the first time too. I'm sure. Yes, I, I, I 
I mean, the, you know, now that the DVDs uh, collections are out and people are watching, you know, oh yeah, I think I'll check this out. You know, they're not all people who sat in front of their their TV and watched it, but right. are seeing it for the first time and saying exactly what you said. You know, wow, this is relevant today. So is that a sign of a classic? I'd have to say yes, <laughs> that is something that lasts and endures and can be applied today as as it was, you know, 15, 20 years ago. And, um, and I don't see any, any signs of it diminishing. If anything, I think it will expand because there's more and more interest in outer space. There's more and more conjecture about um, the future. Uh, what a little, what will it look like? What will our, you know, generations ahead of us uh, be living like? So I don't think Star Trek's going to fade away anytime soon definitely definitely and you know we actually uh we were gonna we're gonna come back to your most recent works uh and talk about that and trek to the troops but now that we're talking about star trek a little maybe i could ask uh, how did you originally get the role as admiral nechev well you know i did it the old-fashioned way i auditioned (laughs) (laughs) and my agent had sent me in there um, to audition for another role, um, and I, I can't remember exactly what it was, and um, they liked my work, they seemed interested in me, but they said I wasn't quite right for that particular role, or whatever it was. And then it was a guest spot, a one-time guest spot, and so I thought, well, okay, sure would love to be on this show, but oh well. And then I went in a second time for something else, And it also wasn't a complete fit. But again, they were clearly interested in having me be, you know, when they ask you back to audition more than once, you know, it's a sign that they're appreciating your work. And and it often happens with episodic television, you know, where we'll say, oh, yeah, we really want that actor, but we haven't quite figured out where to put him or her yet. So anyway, finally, the third time, they, you know, my agent said, you know, you're going for this role that will probably recur. Um, and it's a very strong part, and and they had actually gotten feedback from me uh, about me from the other roles that I was kind of too strong for the what whatever those other roles were, which has, has slipped my mind. Right. So they said, you know, my agent said this one is a really strong character, so you can go for it, and they seem to think it's it's a good match for you. So I um I really dug my teeth in for the audition and and worked very hard on it and uh, went in very prepared and. Um, it, it just felt great when I did it. I felt like I, like I nailed it. And, um, indeed, um, if it was a day later or that day, I'm not sure I got the call from my agent that I, that I was going to do it. And, um, and then I ended up, you know, doing another and another and another. And I, I don't know if I'm just, um, dreaming, but I feel that if the, um, I was in the seventh season. I feel that if it had gone on another season, that they would have developed the character even further with Picard because we were starting to have, um, you know, it started out as an adversarial relationship where I basically take him out of command and then um, I get angry with him for not destroying the board when he had the opportunity. And then he, then I tell him he's got to remove the Indians from the land. And then finally he starts to make some overtures to be, uh, to have a rapport with me by making the famous tea party with the Valerian canopy and, <laughs> and, and that he made research that I like Valerian canopy. And, and then there's a softening of, of the um, strife between us and you get a feeling that, you know, it could have gone somewhere, but then, you know, this, 
the um, actual uh, season ended, and, and there was no eighth season, but um, it was uh, it, it was just it had a wonderful arc to it. Definitely. Uh, Anyhow, and, uh, you know, it was it was a perfect fit. I mean, I have Slavic background. She had a Slavic name. Um, I do tend to play strong characters. Um, I'm a character actor, and, um, and so that was a good fit. Um, I was not um, intimidated by uh, Captain Picard or Patrick Stewart. I actually found him such a lovely, lovely man to work with. And uh, so it worked. We were worthy adversaries on screen and great pals as soon as they called cut. (laughs) But when they said action, we were at each other, you know? (laughs) You know, um, and and Admiral Nechev, um, at least to me, and I know uh, several other other Trek fans that feel the same way, is the most memorable uh, Admiral out of any of the series uh, to us. Mm. Also, were there any uh, historical or liter- literary figures that you used uh, as your influence for the character of uh, Admiral Nechev? Well, you know, I um, I come from a family that has served in the military. And so, obviously, being an admiral, that's a, a military position. There's a particular gate that goes with that, a kind of walk, a kind of um, clarity, and I worked on those things. Um, my dad was in World War II. He, he was Army and was in the Normandy invasion, in fact, oh, wow. Um, oh, wow. Purple Heart and Bronze Star uh, recipient. And my grandfather, my mother's father, uh, was a recipient of the Congressional Medal of Honor. Oh, which, wow. As you know, is the highest. Yes. And I actually wrote and directed a short film about him. Uh, called Corporal Jake, where he, um, where I told his story. Uh, recently, the um, Army base in Fort Knox uh, made a, um, a dedicated a bayonet uh, uh, course to him because in World War One, of course, they used bayonets. His story is extraordinary and probably too much to go into right now, um, but. Um, he had a kind of Sergeant York story, hmm. uh, and he lived, you know, so I actually knew my grandfather. Oh, that's he great. Was, you know, one of those who was not awarded it posthumously, but actually lived through his extraordinary feat. But anyway, so having this background of, you know, military, um, not uh, life military people, but military people in my family who served in combat, um, I did look to that what I had learned and observed from stories from them, and um, and then I, you know, I thought about what she was saying, and I realized that this woman Alina Nechev was passionate about principle. She really believed in what she was saying was the absolute best thing for the Federation. Right, and I got from her that like most leaders she had to make hard decisions mm. that were not popular she couldn't afford to be the humanitarian that Picard was she couldn't afford to say well yeah maybe the Borg are people too and we should be nice to them you know they were our enemies she needed to be the one who said next time you have an opportunity to destroy them you will do it and that was the one time he said to me yes sir which was a kind of mocking <laughs> right. thing that you know because i was very uh, hard you know i can't tell you how many times at conventions people come up to me and say why were you so tough on picard <laughs> and i said hey you know he needed to follow orders and when he didn't as you may recall i would say to the fans he usually got into trouble yeah well that's true but you know you were so hard <laughs> on him and 
And then, and, and, and so, you know, I mean, sometimes I would defend my position. Sometimes I would just say, oh yeah, well, I'm just, um, you know, just a big, big, bad admiral. And, and other, and then there were other fans who would come up to me who were from the military who said, um, I've known admirals. You are exactly the way they behave. That's great. That's and a, that was the highest praise. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The highest praise I could get, you know? So, um, I guess when you ask me who, you know, who historically, I, I really look to my dad and my grandfather, although they were not of that, uh, they were not admirals. My dad was the first sergeant. My grandfather, when he was, was awarded the um, Congressional Medal of Honor, he, he was a corporal. Oh, wow. His superior officers became casualties, and he single-handedly took a, a hill of a machine gun nest oh, and, wow. brought, uh, and brought in 15 German prisoners with the butt of his bayonet. Wow. He had run out of ammunition. Hmm. So um, his story was pretty, you know, impressive. And, and I remember him and, his, and the way he walked. And there was a kind of, you know, dominion uh, about him. And he was a very sweet grandpa, but I also observed him being gruff. Not to me. Sure. Mm-hmm. But, you know, in talking with other men or whatever, you know. And so... Um, but I wasn't trying to make her my grandfather, nor was I trying to make her gruff. I just wanted to create a character that really believed in what she was doing to the extent that um, she would pay any price for it. In other words, when I prepared for a scene, I thought, okay, she's got an objective in this scene. She's going to go in there, and she's not going to leave the scene until she accomplishes her objective. And when you approach a character that way, it, the, the fuel is provided for you naturally you know just as if you were going in to get the car keys from your wife because you need to get to the hospital to see your father right god forbid you know you would have a clear objective and you weren't going to leave without the keys you were going to come in and get them and get there because the reason was so strong well her reason to preserve the federation was strong and it was a good motivation. So I worked from that point of view. And when I did that, I think the balance of how tough she was, how likable or unlikable um, was really up to the audience. I wasn't trying to make her likable. I wasn't trying to make her unlikable. I wanted to create a a character that was based on uh, desire for her true mission. And, you know, the chips fall where they fall with, in terms of, you know, who likes you and who doesn't. Right. Which is, I think, what uh, uh, officers of, of the military forces have to, have to do. Definitely. Know, at least in, in my understanding. I, don't, I have no direct connection with the military. I mean, in that I never served. Um, but I certainly have enormous respect. One of the great things about Admiral Nechev, um for me... Uh, especially, you know, what, the cool thing for me about Star Trek is that they they place characters in positions no matter of race or gender. When you came onto the mm-hmm. stage, uh, onto mm-hmm. the set, um, you know, the first time we see Admiral Nechev, we see an admiral, and that's it. Yeah. There's there's cool. no you know there's no uh, um, who's being victimized whatever. It's just an admiral. Mm-hmm. Uh, which mm-hmm. is pretty amazing, and, and it's an it's a testament not only to Star Trek 
and the writing and you know the idea mm-hmm. behind it but also to your acting ability because i mean you portrayed it spot on mm-hmm. so well thanks chris you made my day with that because that's what i wanted i wanted them to see the character right. not me but the character of course, what's happened since is I play roles and they say, oh, there's the Admiral. And I'm playing <laughs> some school teachers. <laughs> because, because Star Trek is so visible. You sure. know? I don't really get stopped that much but, um, uh, for, as the Admiral because I, I, you know, I um, look different in different roles that I play. But I must say, I, I did a convention in London, uh, outside of London, in Leicester, England, in the Midlands once in about five years, six years ago. And um, I went to London after the convention to spend a couple of days, and um, I went up to buy a ticket in the down in the tube, you know, their metro system. Right. And I went to the thing, and I said, "Could I have a ticket to Lancaster Gate?" And the guy looked at me, and his mouth dropped open, and I thought, "Oh, did I say something wrong?" <laughs> he said, "Oh my God, it's the Admiral! Wait right here!" And he ran back, and he got a piece of paper. He goes, "Would you sign this?" I said, "I can do better. I just came from the convention. I got a picture if you want one." You know? <laughs> he said, "Hold on, I got to get me supervisor." And the supervisor came out. It, it was wild. That's never happened to me in America. You know. That's and awesome. Like, guys really made my day i still had to pay for the ticket though <laughs> <laughs> that's great which is only right sure sure absolutely um, so um one question i definitely wanted to ask as a guest star working on the set of next gen uh, what was it like for you coming into an environment where the actors obviously have been working with each other so so long uh, it's kind of a family unit uh, and you coming in not as an outsider, but somebody who isn't involved in that family unit. What was what was your experience with that? Well, I think I scared them. No, <laughs> I um, they were very welcoming, and and I must say, you know, that is not always the case. Uh, you sometimes guest star on things, and I won't name any shows, but where the uh, regulars are not that welcoming. Mm. Not true. Jonathan Frakes, Patrick Stewart, all of them, well, which are the two people that I mainly had connection with, were so welcoming, and uh, and the directors were all great, and really made you feel uh, at home so that you could do your best work. Now, um, that said, I, I tend to be one of these actors who's very prepared. So even, and, and I, and I know that when you're a regular on a show, you know, sometimes you're, you know, you have so much to learn every night that you're still with the script during the rehearsal and then you let go of it, obviously, while you, you know, when they actually shoot and they're used to that. And that's, that's standard fare. But I had everything down, you know, before I even stepped on the set, even for the rehearsal. And so they I remember the first first episode I did. I had such a long um, speech telling them why I was going to replace uh, Captain Picard, and we went through it in rehearsal. And I didn't have my script, and they all just kind of dropped their jaw. John said, <laughs> "Oh my God, she's got it memorized already." <laughs> it was um, so that I gained, you know, some some respect there. And of course, I was very respectful of them. I really. Um, I love those guys, and um, I, they. It, I will say this, you know, I was, the character was very hard on Jonathan Frakes, as you may remember. Sure. Um, I was always giving him a hard time, his character, and um, 
when I did DS9, Jonathan Frakes was directing one of the episodes of DS9. And he, when he saw that I was doing the episode, he said, finally, I can get my revenge. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. <laughs> but of course, you know, he was a sweetheart. Sure. And that's a sweetheart and a darn good director, by the way. Yeah, definitely. So let, let, let's get to our other questions before I, before I have to, to bid you adieu. Um, what, um, okay, sure. I wanted to tell you about the military a little bit. Yeah, definitely. And what I do, Trek, Trek, uh, 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 org is a uh, group that I work with. I started, I'll tell you my connection with it. I, um, and, uh, I did a convention in March uh, 1999 in Burbank, or no, in Pasadena, California. And it was right when we were getting ready to go to Iraq. Was that right? Was that 99 or two? Yeah, it was 99. Uh, two, no, it was 2000, 2001. Yeah, somewhere around there. Or, or 2000. When did we go? What was it? I think 2003 is when we first invaded. So it was probably right before that. Right. Yeah. It was March 2003. Okay. And I started, and a lot of military were there on furlough at the convention, uh, and many getting ready to, to deploy. Uh, yeah, 99 was the Balkan Wars. I'm, I'm getting all confused. And um, I just couldn't take any money for it from them. When mm. they wanted a picture, I just gave it to them. I said, right. my God, you're, you're going to serve and you're, please pick out whatever you want. And the buzz kind of got around and, um, she's giving pictures away to military. All the military <laughs> came to my table, you know, and I gave away, I don't know how many, but, um, uh, and, um, one of the guys I got to know was involved with this trek to the troops, which goes to the U.S., a couple of things we do. Uh, in December, we go to the USO when the guys who are just finishing their training at San Clemente are coming up, and we um, uh, would greet them and talk with them, and if they were interested in uh, Star Trek, we'd give them pictures. If they weren't, we would just talk to them about other things, just to greet them. They're young, you know, just sure. finish their, their basic training and getting ready to deploy, so we did that a, a couple of Christmases. This Christmas, I think I'm going to be out of town when they do it, so I may not be able to do that, but then a couple of years ago, um, this same gentleman, Christopher Mulroney, um, who put together a trek for the troops, um, we made a bunch of care packages. And I crochet hats, and I crocheted um, a beanies that were, they could put under their helmets in a, in a camouflage yarn. Mm. And then I got um, um, DVDs, beef jerky, uh, magazines, you know, anything that he advised me they might enjoy having in a package and, and we sent out a bunch of them to random names, but to names, to, def to specific people, because it wasn't a big enough operation where we could just say, oh, just send it to this company, you know, right. it was a kind of small personal thing that we did at my apartment. Um, and I got the most touching letters back from soldiers who said to me, you know, getting a care package from home is one thing, but getting a care package from somebody you don't even know. Yeah. <laughs> it's, and so I'm doing it again this year. I'm seriously crocheting hats because <laughs> uh, I want to be able to include one in each, each right. thing. And then I'll go shop for the other stuff. But if anyone wants to give any kind of support to Trek for the troops.org, they have, they are a nonprofit corporation and they have, um, you know, they, they do, things for the troops who are already deployed. So I support them and do the best I can to uh, be of service in that way. That's fantastic. And show my, show my gratitude for, for their um, contribution and um, great, great service to this great country. Absolutely. And, and people can go to trek to the troops.org uh, to get more info and possibly 
uh, donate, correct? Sure, okay. absolutely. And they Great. can they also find out what we're doing. And um, there was a little YouTube thing a couple of years ago. Um, it may still be up, I don't know, of um, us packing the things at my apartment. Christopher and a friend of his and I, the soldier and a friend of his and I all packing these envelopes. And I was showing what I was putting inside. It was kind of a goofy thing, <laughs> but um, it was it was fun to, fun to do. That's great. And um yeah, it was, it was, well, God, it's the least we can do, sure. you know, I feel like Absolutely. that's a small contribution. Um, and then when I had my theater company, I did a, a benefit um, a couple years ago for the um, the families of severely wounded soldiers. And um, we did, um, oh, all kinds of Christmas monologues and scenes and uh, whatever we collected, we sent to that, uh, to the Severely wounded families of severely wounded troops who might not be getting much of a Christmas. Right. Mm-hmm. That was a couple of years ago. So, anyway, little things like that I like to do. And um, and so um, the next time you'll see me on screen, I think, will be in this movie I did with um, that Mark Pellington directed with Rob Lowe oh, wow. and Fantastic. Jeremy Pivens. And I have a scene with Rob Lowe, and it's called "I Melt with You." And it's about four guys who went to college together and made some pact, and they meet 25 years later, and um, it's a thriller, and I can't tell you what happened, <laughs> but um, it's a goodie, and um, that'll probably be, I would say, late spring. And we'll definitely um, be looking for that. And, and I know you have yeah. to have to run, but I just want to say thank you so mo- so much uh, for spending time with us tonight and giving us oh, an insight. you're so welcome. Yeah, giving us a great insight into your uh, character of Admiral Necheyev. Uh, I know a lot of people out there are looking forward to this and, and will love what you had to say. And again, thank you so much yeah, for joining us. Thanks, Chris, and thanks, Charity. And I appreciate your thinking of me. And um, God bless you through the holidays and um, and your endeavors that you're doing on your subspace communique site. I, um, I heartily uh, support you and, and wish you all the best. Thank you so thanks much. So much. And w- if we're at a convention where you are, we'll definitely come by and say hi. Oh, please come by. I, I'll have... I'll have free photos for you, <laughs> even Perfect. if you're not military. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, thanks again. All right. Yeah, thank yeah, you. God bless. Bye-bye. So that was episode six of Life After Trek. Uh, we'd really like to thank Natalia for joining us. Uh, Like I said before, she was an absolute pleasure to talk to. If you'd like to know more information about Natalia and what her most current projects are, you can actually go to her website, natalianugalich.com. Also, one of her charities that she supports uh, vehemently is trektothetroops.org. You can check that out and find out how you can actually help those guys uh, out in their charity. Uh, It seems like a very worthy, worthy charity. Be sure to check out Natalia and her upcoming film, I Melt With You. Uh, we don't have dates yet uh, for the release on that, but that's a Rob Lowe pick with Jeremy Piven. She also has her upcoming novel, One Woman's War, uh, which should be due out in the spring. We hope you guys enjoyed this episode. If you haven't visited our site before, it's subspacecommunicate.com. You can also check us out on Twitter. That's twitter.com slash subspacecoms. And Facebook. That's facebook.com slash subspacecoms. I'd like to give a shout out to a couple other podcasts that we enjoy. The Sci-Fi Diner podcast is one of our favorites. Uh, We've been on it a few times, we, meaning me, 
uh, Captain Pike or Chris have been on it a couple times with Scott and Miles. Excellent podcast, not necessarily solely Trek oriented, but uh, if you're definitely into the sci-fi genre, please check those guys out. Uh, we'd also like to give a shout out to uh, Damon and the guys at Geek Fights. Uh, you can check them out at geekfights.net. Uh, it's another great podcast, geek oriented. They usually have some pretty epic battles. Um, we we're actually on an episode just recently. It was the best of Star Trek. Should be coming out soon, uh, if not uh, by now when this this episode uh, appears on iTunes. Uh, but uh, thank you guys so much for listening and supporting us. And uh, hopefully we'll have another fantastic episode for you very soon. But until then, and as always, we hope you guys live long and prosper. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.